Welcome to Prep Talk, the emergency management podcast. Find out what you need to know about preparedness, get all the latest tips from experts in the field, and learn what to do before the next disaster strikes. From the emergency management department in the city that never sleeps, here are your hosts. Hello, everyone. I'm Ines Bebea, and welcome to another episode of Prep Talk. On this episode, we're going to discuss the 10th anniversary of Hurricane Sandy, how the storm impacted New York City, and the role that New York City emergency management played during the preparedness, response, and recovery stages, the lessons we have learned, and the programs that have been created since then. I'm joined by Heather Reuter, Assistant Commissioner of Recovery and Risk Reduction, and Herman Schaefer, Deputy Commissioner for Community Engagement, New York City Emergency Management. Heather and Herman, welcome to the podcast. Heather, let's start with you. How was your unit preparing for the arrival of the storm? What were your biggest concerns? Hi, Inez. Um, thanks for having us here today. Uh, so in my role at the time during Sandy, um, I was uh, working in the EOC as the manager, and I worked in transportation infrastructure planning as well in 2012. So. A lot of my work at the time was really focused on evacuation planning um, in the evacuation zone, uh, evacuation zones and storm surge work. So I was really, um, really focused and interested in um, leading into Sandy was how our evacuation decision making and really understanding uh, or really trying to think through the risk of that storm and how um, this storm was different from Irene, which we had the year before and how that affected our decision making. Um, I think that was a really unique part of 2012 is that we had a storm the year before and um, that one we did do it a zone A evacuation and we had very different impacts than what we ended up seeing during Sandy. So going into that, um, into the, um, the storm, I'm just trying to think through what made this storm different. And given that you mentioned evacuation, what were the biggest challenges, I guess, also getting word of mouth to people or how was their preparations going along? Uh, so we activated the EOC and we activated um, our healthcare evacuation center. So we have been doing all the communication and tools, but I think we were just really unsure about um, how severe the impacts were for this storm, especially having um, a storm the year before and uh, based on the forecast information we had. So, uh, day, and I say that more kind of uh, the week leading into it. So, uh, really um, going into Sandy, we uh, were really concentrated on the uh, forecast coming in, but it was the evening of Saturday night into Sunday was when the forecast information came in that really hit home that we had to issue that evacuation order and um, and Sunday morning is when that happened and that was really kind of the all the operations um, went out so we uh, the communication out to people and making sure that went out through all the communication channels the mayor had his press event um, notify NYC, um, really blasting through our, I think honestly, one thing we learned a lot during Sandy was how important the MTA was and how reliant people are on public transit. And so just people knowing that transit is closing, it really also lets you know that this is serious and that that's also kind of your knowing that the timeline of when you have to really be in a safe space. Um, 
And yeah, we used again, we used a lot of our Notify NYC tool, which was um, at that time still kind of rolling out as well. Yeah, for a city that is known worldwide as 24-7, when you hear that the subway is not going to be available, it really does let you know that something big is coming. So what about you, Herman? What was your role with the agency at the time and what plans were in place for you as the storm approached? Um, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Nez, for, for having us on. Um, I also was the EOC manager like Heather at the time. Um, and I think we had sort of similar concerns. I think I was looking at I'm a, I at the time I was the director of community preparedness um, within the external affairs division um, at the agency. And so therefore, um, leading up to the storm, a lot of my concern was making sure that people were heeding the message. And I think we specifically with this storm, we sort of struggled because we weren't sure what to call it. Right. I think this is one of the things that was the hardest thing. It was a super storm. It was a hurricane. It was a tropical storm. And on top of that, we had the result of the previous year's storm where we did activate, we did evacuate, and not much happened to the city. And so, therefore, trying to get over that messaging uh, that this is serious, people should take this seriously. Uh, we are going to take the same actions as last year. And we think it's going to be a different result. People have a hard time making sure that they can get that and react to that because they feel people sort of see themselves as having the same result as previous uh, previous forecasts that are similar. So I think, you know, I think we sort of struggled with that, especially from a community engagement, community messaging. Um, and making sure people knew what their zone was and how to react, I think was super important uh, to our messaging and people don't know their zones ahead of time. Um, likewise with Heather, I think, you know, we were trying to just take a look at what, what happened last time, the year before we activated, making sure that anything we learned from that prior activation, because that was the first time we did an active evacuation order of that magnitude, um, that we're implementing it that we're, 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 we're learning from previous experience and putting into this storm as well. And how do we do that? And we had a deputy commissioner at the time who used to say, can we get big, big, big enough, fast enough? That was what his term was. And knowing what we were taking on as a city, uh, would we be able to get big enough, fast enough to be able to meet the needs of this storm? I think we're all sort of uh, concerns both from my like day-to-day -day work, but also from my EOC work and making sure that we were prepared as a city to be able to take the actions and response and deal with the issues that came after the storm. Great, and Herman, you mentioned that one of the challenges before Sandy was getting New Yorkers to remember that to listen to the messaging that this, this storm was coming and they were saying like the year before nothing had happened. Did you find anything in particular for the Sandy preparedness that really made the messaging even like more clear in the communities or was there just like a challenge that they just say, you know what, you guys cried wolf last year, we're gonna be fine. How did you guys, were you able to like get over that hump with the, in dealing with community groups? I think we saw a mix. And our, our engagement with the community was somewhat different at that point in time. We um, we have since progressed. We can talk about that later in the podcast. But you know, we did have the Right New York program. We were getting it out there 
as best as we could. Um, it was the map that we were using um, because we didn't have the Know Your Zone map at the time. We did have resources and tools, but we had uh, the ability to get information out. Um, it's just that I think we got a bit of skepticism. I think we got the people who said, I wrote it out last storm. Uh, and I'm going to write it out again because everything worked out fine. We have the people who said I evacuated. Last storm and I came back because and nothing had happened, so I'm not going to do it this time. Um, and then you have the people who actually heeded our message, which I think is uh, is a healthy mix and you might find that every single time, but I do think uh, quite honestly, two of those buckets, the one that evacuated and the one who didn't, um, I think are important things to note here because um, that was very, very contingent on their experiences so recently from the last time. And now that like we're looking at our 10 year anniversary of this, people may not have the same feelings. You know, the people who didn't evacuate, they felt val validated, right, in some way after Irene, mm -hmm. because they're like, oh, well, look at that storm, right? That storm didn't affect me. I, I, I didn't have to. And then the ones that did evacuate, you know, and and said there weren't impacts. I think then certainly we there was a certain credibility loss, and that's always the toughest decision as an emergency manager. I think we always talk about that is, um, you know, wanting to always, you want to be as cautious and use the best information possible, but there's always going to be a big window of uncertainty when you have to make these really big critical decisions, and so um, you know sometimes you're going to do these orders and things that the storm goes out or the impacts are different and that's okay. But unfortunately people um, don't necessarily then see it that way and uh, and see that and the next storm might have uh, might be more dangerous. And we're still in the middle of the Atlantic hurricane season that goes through November 30th and there have been many storms in Sandy. Um, can each of you give us an example of how things changed since then? I know you guys have mentioned Know Your Zone, um, but maybe Herman, can you start with you as far as like how Know Your Zone impacted having that designation helped your your unit reach out more to communities for a future for future storms? Yeah, and I think there's been a number of changes. And I think, you know, there have been many reports written post Sandy um, of one of things that went well and also things that didn't. And I think um, what uh, has come out, we've acted on. And I think that's important to note. I mean, I think Know Your Zone is a perfect example of an incredibly good messaging campaign that has been able to be run every year and reinforces the key message. The key message is that when an emergency hits or when we are going to put an evacuation order in place, you need to know where you stand. And we now have six different zones um, and it's not so clean cut, right? You have uh, a neighborhood where some streets just due to geography may need to evacuate and you have other streets within the same neighborhood that may not. And it's really important for your own preparedness to have that plan, to know where you're going to go and what you're going to do and when you would need to leave. And I think that is one of those critical messages that um, you know we've been able to put together. And I think people react well to that. It's a very simple message. It's a it's a it's at least an initial step that people can take. 
there's many different ways to be able to uh, learn that information. So I think that's key. Um, we have learned a lot uh, in the subsequent years and directly after uh, this from um, our community emergency response team program. We very much rely on our volunteers during emergencies and both during Irene and Sandy, our volunteers came out in great numbers to support the shelter system um, and spent many hours and days working there to help their neighbors and friends uh, and community members to make sure that they were safe and a shelter. Um, and we've learned a lot from that. We now have a citywide radio net that CERT is involved with so we can communicate better with our volunteers. We have an enhanced deployment system that uh, was put in place afterwards and allows us to track and manage our volunteers in a different way. Um, we engage with our community differently. I think this was one of those things that was so important um, uh, and one of the things that was noted in most reports after uh, after the, the storm is that we need to plan with our communities. We need to be able to go into a community and say, how do we make sure that uh, you are getting the information that you need and that your information is is valid for your uh, community. And um, I think having people learn how to do an emergency plan implement in their community, it both sort of validates their ability to do things by themselves, uh, but also is a huge benefit to the city. So I think we engage differently. We uh, we worked with the community in a different way. We found ways to be able to embed emergency management deeper into communities um, and use our volunteers more effectively. And I think those are all great changes that stemmed from our ability to have um, our uh, our after actions and reports and then react to those in a positive way. Okay, I know. I and given what you just said, it made me think about this a conversation, especially during like disaster response that communities of color are often hardest hit and they have a hardest time recovering. So how have you guys been able to really make that preparedness messaging drive in these communities in New York City? Yeah, and I think that's a, it's a really good point. I think um, there's a couple of different things. First of all, where we target our connection with the community, where we're trying to build community emergency plans um, is very much focused on those communities that are historically underserved or don't have a strong or mistrust of government. I do think that that's a, such an important component of our program of making sure that where we uh, look to support is critical. Um, I think we've worked to be able to make sure that our messaging is representative. We're also, uh, you know, FEMA just did uh, a legacy National Preparedness Month that we just completed that was very, very much focused on engaging black and brown communities in this discussion and making sure that they're part of the solution. Um, but I do think that everything I was just talking about is very much about empowering communities to be their own first responders in a lot of ways and helping them recover and us being able to support them. And so, you know, I encourage anyone who's listening to this podcast to engage with us um, and and learn how to do that, learn how to make sure that um, what we are planning is effective for you and what you're planning engages with us 
and that we are able to communicate after an emergency so that we know what you need and that we can make sure that resources that are coming in from the federal government, from the state government, from other city programs are actually reaching our communities. And what about for you, Heather, now that you've moved on from the EO, your EOC role during Sandy to, to now, is there anything that your unit has implemented since Sandy? Uh, I implemented my unit. So that was really <laughs> the biggest outcome of Sandy. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, the biggest thing that came out of Sandy was the, com the complete build out and um, of the mitigation and recovery team here at emergency management. So, um, you know, the following months after Sandy, the um, Obama administration had um, put forth a lot of, or the Congress had passed a bill um, putting a lot of mitigation money um, into the Sandy Supplemental, and that funded quite a lot of the recovery uh, funding that came into New York City. Um, and I think, honestly, Sandy really pushed a national conversation about how costly these large disasters are, and we have to keep thinking about climate change or the fact that these things might be are going to keep happening in the future and how costly they are and we have to be thinking about prevention and not the cost of constant repair and doing this over and over again so um there was i think a really big shift in the emergency management community but i think just a, a larger dialogue um around planning and uh, engineering and architect and, and builders and um, I, I just in a lot of places around how do we really think about what we can do to prevent this and prevent damages, especially on flood risk. So um, yeah, so my team has built out since then um, in terms of looking a lot more at risk planning, risk analysis, um, and recovery planning and um, bringing uh, mitigation grants into the city, helping our agency partners uh, implement um, these funds to help make the city stronger from future storms. So that's um, really been a big part of everything we've been doing for the last 10 years. Um, you know, we're still working on areas related to Sandy, but we're looking at other hazards um, around heat and stormwater and um, and wind and, I, you know, I think, and then we had Ida last year. And so there's always these, um, you know, things that we're trying to just really understand more and more about st how these storms affect us. So um, there's a lot of work ahead as well. Well, thank you so much for bringing money into the conversation. That's also always like, kind of like when you're talking about government, that's like, oh, can they do it? Will they say yes or no? So can you tell us when you're looking into, um, asking for applying for a grant like do you work with other agencies and is there one in particular that you're proudest of that uh, the grant was approved and what is it and what is going to do <laughs> uh so that's a good question uh i mean we've brought in uh we've helped our our agency partners um apply for different grants so mitigation grants and so um, and then we work with our, the, I should also take a step back. Um, there was two offices created after Sandy, a housing recovery office and then an office of resiliency. And so that really, I think, kind of laid the footprints for the post-Sandy environment and um, especially um, really focusing on how we integrate resiliency into the city's mission and, and work. 
Um, so it's provided kind of a lot of partnerships throughout um, our agencies um, to work with. And so uh, in the different grants we've received, I it's hard to say. I think um, I, I feel like I don't want to pick one in particular, but I, I think some of the ones that I'm most excited about are the ones we have right now that are coming in from the new BRIC program, Building Resilient Infrastructure in Communities. Um, that's um, very excited that now there's money that comes in every year um, in mitigation. So now we, um, Sandy, there was money that had to, you had to get it after the disaster, but now we get it before the disaster. And so um, these BRIC funds, we have um, kind of been doing these building blocks in Sandy where we've been able to do the studies and analysis, and now we're starting to get money to do the implementation. And so um, stormwater, there's a couple stormwater projects ahead that I think I'm, those are the ones that are exciting me a lot right now. Oh, well, thank you so much for mm -hmm. that. So Herman, we'll go back to you with this question. As you look back at 10 years in Sandy, can you share a moment that stayed with you during the preparation, response, or recovery, it could be if you want, like, a, what it felt for you as a as a New Yorker, and then also if you want, what it felt for you as working with this agency and looking at this disaster that was going to impact so many people. Yeah, I was thinking about this actually. About um, <clears throat> I was just talking to, to Heather before this that like we're going the way back machine here. We're taking a look back and saying. Like, what was it like back then? And I think the thing that stuck with me the most was that um, we, uh, you know, we work on a schedule here, right? So we have three different teams. Uh, each of the teams has its own uh, schedule, and you can't have everyone in the agency on at all points in time. So it turns out I was not on the schedule the day that uh, it hit or the night evening when it hit. Um, so I remember texting with some folks uh, in the who were in the EOC thinking, you know, I really should be there. That's where I, that's where I should be. I should be at the operations center. I should be working. Um, and I remember someone texting back and say, you know, if this hits the way we think we are, there's no shortage of work to be done. So rest up, relax, and we'll see you tomorrow. And I think that was probably the hardest thing for me to be able to do leading up to this is because we had done a lot of preparedness work. You know, we're turning on systems and everything like that. But while the storm is hitting, there's not much for us to do. We're monitoring, we're checking, we're making sure that we're moving things forward that we can, but we're really waiting for the impacts. And being home that night, not an operations center, um, and then getting up in the morning and realizing that I lived in central Brooklyn at that time, that there was not much damage. Uh, and going in, you saw some trees down, made it in, and you realize that because this wasn't a hurricane technically, it was a tropical storm, you didn't have the high winds that affected the entire city. Um, you had some minor damage throughout the city, but really along the coastlines is where the damage really happened. And to realize that in certain parts of the city, people didn't realize what was happening in other parts of the city and, and trying to balance that in your head. I mean, I know it's a very personal example that's not so much work related, um, but I think it's one of the things that stuck with me. Um, and then, you know, you get into the, the 
the setting up of operations and getting involved with that and the next months were were uh, were very, very, very taxing for everyone in emergency management, myself included. But sitting there the night before, um, away from the emergency operations center, trying to rest to be able to come in the next day and 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 take on new operations as they needed to be stood up and and changed and everything like that. I think was one of the the strongest memories for me. Well, in my time here with the agency now, I've noticed that that's one key characteristic of people who work in emergency management, that you are here because you want to jump into the fire, which I think uh, is a great way to look at the world and I want to help people. Um, what about you, Heather? Is there yeah. anything that sticks with you? There's a lot of memories that stick with me. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's funny, Herman. Just the side note, the like not knowing where you know having so many different parts of the city. Like, I definitely remember I had moved to New York. I just moved actually close to the office right before this, and walking home and trick or treating was happening two days later because of Halloween, and it was so surreal. Being like, I can't yeah. believe trick or treating's happening in some parts of the city. But um, for me, I think um, from the emergency management lens was just, I was working the overnight shifts, which normally you don't really love the overnights, but that was definitely the most active uh, shift I'd say for that week in. And um, I think just, I mean, the things that stick with me is like a series of just innovation of like our coworkers and city and just, we planned, our coastal storm plan was such a core part of this agency and what we had been practicing and talking about and discussed and operationalized. And, and then when it happened, and then when it, you're in it and just realizing how much kind of new things we had to face and on the fly kind of adapt and um, address and, I was just so impressed by how many people, how much we had to go, you know, just um, pivot. And so, I mean, even just um, that night where the forecast had changed on Saturday, or I guess the, the information come in Saturday night um, will always stay with me. And um, taking the, uh, the the forecast information and being able, we had an amazing GIS director who, um, we had been kind of really in the weeds on some of the modeling uh, that was behind our evacuation zones um, because we had just we were in the process of looking at up um, had just gotten some new models and so it was really being able to take the back end of those models and present it in a way to match the forecast to really explain um, kind of in a few hours, you were able to kind of say, this is why this storm is going to have more surge. It's it's that left hook. It's that because it's making that left westerly hook, this one has more surge than Irene that was going east. And she was able to produce this like map that we always kind of talked about at for years after and um, presenting that to Mayor Bloomberg at the time in the morning. So I always remember just like this kind of mapping made on the fly that um, was really the crux of then updating to the six evacuation zone model in 2013. And, um, you know, it was like that was just the start of like, you know, thereafter all these different and new operations um, we had to kind of build out um, in the weeks after and, and then obviously large scale programs for um, months and years beyond. So um, just really amazed by my coworkers in the city. You both mentioned the, the surreal 
event of like being able to walk around and recognizing like some people didn't even know how bad the damage was. But I remember a lot of conversations about uh, the maybe the not the anxiety, but maybe like the kind of like wait and see like approach that happened for the marathon. Like yeah. I know Staten Island was hit really hard, but people, <laughs> you know, you had people from all over the world ready to run this 26 yeah. miles. So I'm wondering like from, as you guys were a part of the, the, not the recovery, like what were you thinking when you saw that I was still on the calendar? Yeah. It was, the mar- it was like election day, the marathon, Halloween, yeah. or all that week. It was like all these like big things. You're like, how do we do elections? Like it was like, it was, uh, I mean, I, mean, I think that was like the first time they had to, or it was a time where they had to figure out like, just go to your closest poll because you couldn't necessarily go to your, local spot and then yeah I do remember the marathon was a huge yeah a huge part but yeah, go yeah on, Herman. I think I think that you know that's that's one of the hardest parts because I think you know in any emergency um, if you're aware and involved it feels like the rest of the world shouldn't should be as aware and involved as you are right mm-hmm. so um, I think it's it's very hard because I think um, you know, at the same time, we had a lot of uh, my friends and were interested in volunteering. Um, they understood that there was there was need and they were going out there along our coastlines and, and trying to help with the recovery. And I think um, it is. Uh, I think that is probably the hardest thing about any emergency is that the people affects it's devastating. The people it doesn't affect it's hard for them to understand how this is affecting others. And I think that is some something that we always have to keep in mind is like, you know, and as Heather said, like, uh, you know, the recovery is always hard. And but the recovery is probably the most creative part of emergency management. You have to find a problem, get groups of people together to solve it and work the best to be able to address that. And some of the programs were set up uh, post the storm um were amazing we uh, you know the support to residents in the home something we called srith um mm-hmm. which is a canvassing to be able to make sure we're ducking on doors and making sure that people aren't trapped or or in need um and then finding a way to be able to house them if they were in need all these types of programs such as that that we've now codified and, and built plans around um we're we're based off of good people getting in a room together, mm-hmm. working to solve a problem. And I think, um, you know, there was a role to play. It was all government approach. Every agency, every group, people got involved with this that hadn't done emergency response before. And I think that is one of the most intriguing parts of our job. And in some cases, the hardest part of our job is trying to solve for new problems that we hadn't expected or uh or or were or new to the situation one of the um just to add in like another interesting or innovative piece was like the community recovery directors was yeah. another great um program that came out was appointing directors of different offices to really be kind of the head of a borough and so they were the ones to go around kind of borough wide on the ground and, and these were directors of offices that weren't Necessary. I mean, there a lot of the offices did have a tie to communities, but um, not emergencies or emergency management. But it was just reappointing 
a leader in the in the city um, administration to really just be able to feed back what was going on throughout an entire borough and um, all the unique aspects of impact and, and try to feed back and kind of help bridge that um, to how the city could respond. Well, that's great. And now, given that uh, you guys were at the forefront of the storm and you can, you work in for emergency management through many, many storms since then, can you name one thing you want New Yorkers to do for the next storm? And can I let you, Hartman, take this one first? Yeah, I think this is the easiest question for me. Know your zone. <laughs> it's a tagline, it's a program, it's a website, there's all sorts of things, but really, it's all in the name. Um, know what zone you're in know how to react, have that plan, but most importantly, know your risk, know what zone you're in. And I think that's super key. Uh, every time you move, every time you look, every, you know, take a look at the website, refresh your memory before every storm season and know your zone. Because if you hear evacuation, we're going to say we're evacuating this zone or these zones and you need to know if you're in it. How about you, Heather? I'm gonna tuck my in. I think um, I would say have insurance is really important. Um, per, you know, protect yourself in that way. Have pictures of your belongings. Document your belongings. Um, it may seem simple, but just making sure you have records of what you do have. It's knowing if you have to go, but if anything does. And this is things like even in a fire. Um, any type of thing that could affect your home or your property, just making sure you you have, um, you know, uh, the documentation of everything. Um, and then uh, that's those that helps you on the other side to help recover. And thanks for bringing insurance into the conversation, too, because people forget that even as a tenant in an apartment, you could also have insurance. Mm -hmm. for all your Check in a renter's insurance, please. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> well, now it is rapid response time, and if you're a first-time listener, it's simple. Prep Talk will ask questions, and our guests will give the first answer that comes to mind. Before rapid response, here's a message from New York City Emergency Management and the Ad Council. New York City needs your help to make our communities safer, stronger, and better prepared. Support your community by getting involved in the NYC Emergency Management Share Your Space Survey. Do you manage or own a facility in NYC with a large interior room, like a community center? A place of worship? Or a campus facility? These can be used for outreach, for training, as a gathering space in an emergency, or as a disaster recovery center for your community. Community spaces can be used as a resource before, during and after an emergency. Organizations citywide are encouraged to participate. Go to nyc.gov slash share your space survey. There you can register your space. By working together, we can build resilient communities, one space at a time. Learn more at nyc.gov slash share your space survey or call 311. It's time for Prep Welcome Talk Rapid Response. Given that we have two guests, I think we will let the person who has been in the agency the longest 
take the first question, and you guys know who that is. So who goes first? That's me. Okay. So Herman, what is one emergency item you cannot live without? Uh, I would say a headlamp. I like having my hands to be able to do other things with and also be able to see. So I think headlamp is my key. Uh, what about you, Heather? Uh, a phone charger. Great. What is one important emergency tip people should remember, Herman? Do your planning now. You can't plan during an emergency. You can only plan before an emergency. Do your emergency plan now. Just for your family, your friends, everything like that. Do that now. And for you, Heather? Yeah, um, you know how you're going to stay informed. Okay. So, do you have a favorite disaster theme movie or TV show episode? If you can watch those as you work in emergency management <laughs> and not yelling at the TV, that will never happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's so rare. Um, I would have to say the Parks and Rec emergency response episode is my favorite. Um, I love the movie This Is The End, which is just like kind of a funny end-of-the-world comedy movie. <laughs> okay. I'll have to um, watch that before the next emergency. <laughs> and now, if you can sum up the work that you do in one word, Heather. Engaging. And how about you, Herman? Uh, coordination. Great. Thank you both so much for taking the time to sit with me and look at the incredible work that you guys have done, the agency has done since Hurricane Sandy. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. That's this episode of Prep Talk. If you like what you heard, you can listen anytime online or through your favorite RSS feed. Until next time, stay safe and prepared.